Greetings! Welcome to Beatles Stuffology, where two old friends sit around and talk BS, Beatles stuff, on a track-by-track basis, pretty much for the sake of it. My name is JG McQuarrie, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Deacon. Say hi, Andrew. Hello! How have you been? I've been alright since the last time we spoke, I must say. How have you been? Yeah, good. Good, good, good. Keeping well. Excellent. Well, I'm very happy to hear it. This week, we are ploughing on. We're almost at the end of this album. Just two more tracks to go. This time, we're dealing with the second last one. So we are dealing with Not A Second Time. Um, yeah, Not A Second Time. It's 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 definitely a song, right? It's it's a song that happens. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm quite conscious of the fact that that's a very similar opening to the previous episode. So um, I, th- I think we should we should maybe push on past that. Yeah, um, shake it up a bit. I find this a um, a very very interesting song. It doesn't necessarily mean I've got lots to say about it, but I find it's an interesting song in terms of the reaction of some people to it. So I spent a bit of time looking at the uh, the Beatles Bible website and the comment section. Um, for this song seemed to be populated mostly by people who thought it was a brilliant song and an amazing showcase for John Lennon's wonderful voice. Now, if anyone out there... I wonder if you agree with that. Well, if anyone out there has been um, in following um, my my thoughts on this, uh, actually, what I found was a, um, um, a YouTube channel that has isolated vocals. Um, and I listened to the isolated vocals for this, and look, it's it's subjective. It's not for everyone, but I think his voice is too harsh for this song. And and I think in particular, where there's a huge leap from one note to another, I think he struggles. I, th- I think he's written a song he actually finds quite difficult to sing. Um, so it comes across as being a lot harsher, perhaps, because he's reaching for notes where perhaps another singer might have found it easier to transition in terms of that jump. But that's that's me started. What do you think? I broadly agree. I think you can hear that there's a slight lack of not confidence exactly in the vocal. In fact, if anything, it's a bit too confident. But I think those those moments, you're right. When when the when his when his voice is jumping up, you can kind of hear that he's not quite able to get there, and it definitely does affect the performance. As for the song itself, it's all right. Um, certainly better than certainly better than Devil in Our Heart, that's for sure. But it's not it's not one that I can honestly say stands out particularly although it doesn't sink either it suffers from real second last song in the album syndrome like the album is going to close out on an absolute corker and that's great that's exactly how it should be same as the last album finished on an absolute corker but the kind of last song or two that led up to it not necessarily the finest material that that the band have ever put together it's it's kind of a song that i feel is I'm trying not to use the word derivative. That's not exactly right. It feels like it's been influenced by a bunch of styles, but it never really settles on one of them. The verses feel like they're in a slightly different kind of style of song um, to the chorus. The break is fine, um, but again, doesn't quite... I don't know. It feels a bit... feels like a song that's been put together by Lego. I don't think it helps that it starts pretty much um simultaneously with the, the vocals and the um and the, the backing track 
uh, I don't think there's there's any room for you to get a sense of what kind of song it is before you've got that collision of, of voice and, and instrumentation, um, which I think is a shame because you know it it just it, it's just too sudden and just too too jarring because I think there is a half decent song underneath there, but we're stuck in that problem of you know writing arranging performing recording and and then forgetting about um you know that that we've we've spoken about um on various tracks before it's it's disposable beetles it's it's not bad um but it's a long 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 way from being um you know even in the second draw let alone the uh, uh the top draw yeah indeed and it's it's just another one that needs another it needs another draft it needs another run through or something to just elevate it a little bit like george martin's done a little bit piano on it that helps that fleshes it out a little bit it gives it a slightly different tone or a slightly different character um it's been a couple of episodes since i've spoken about him now but i'm going to give ringo his his uh his regular check-in and praise here um i think he's having quite a good song like a little bit the fills immediately before and after the instrumental break are really effective and they really help just it, it stops the song he gets his little bit and then it kind of flows on it it's a uh, a great little moment for him it gives him a nice little showcase and a song that i mean everybody else is fine on it i'm not criticizing anybody else on it but it does give him a nice little um sort of spot to kind of show off what he can do and and sort of the difference having a, a sort of sympathetic or engaged drummer can make because he, he does he does make a really good fist of it in this one yeah i i agree with you i mean as well as listening to the isolated vocals um i also found um isolated um drum and and bass uh, combined and there's not a lot of bass going on on this it, it, it must be so far down in the mix um, you know it's really difficult to distinguish that there's there's very much going on at all but certainly you know Ringo's being all kind of peppy in the background you see there, there's an irony of us talking about the song in this way we're almost kind of dismissing it because this was the song of Aeolian Cadence well fame. yes <laughs> um, and actually it, I mean, obviously, you know, Lennon was very much of the opinion that um, if there was anything like that, it was a complete uh, accident because he was just writing something that, that he liked writing. Um, so if there is something very clever in it, well, it's not working on me. It, it really isn't. So um, I, I, I think it's it's fine to to look at things in, in that respect. And it, it may have echoes of, you know, Marla or whatever it is. But it doesn't necessarily mean it works, you know, completely as a as a piece of pop, which is is what this is really. Yeah, absolutely. I I know absolutely fuck all about musical music theatre, uh, music theatre, music theory even. Um, so I am in no position to be able to judge whether alien cadences are either relevant or accurate or whatever. Um, although I, it does greatly amuse me that that has gone on to be such a thing about such a you know relatively minor song. Um, I mean, mostly I just think it's a bit messy. It just kind of, it, it, it feels a bit, especially the kind of, oh no, the, those kind of get a little bit kind of smeared across the songs. And it's just not, I don't know, it's it's not, it's not terribly well structured. I think it's, it's fair to say, and it probably does, um, 
it probably does indicate that it was written relatively quickly. I don't think that there was a lot of effort. But I think the other thing which is really obvious is that McCartney's influence is nowhere to be seen. That's the other thing I think that it, the song could really have benefited from is if it had been sat down and McCartney had had the opportunity to kind of work something out. Like you said, the bass is, is you know, barely existent in this song. That's absolutely correct. Um, but that's really unusual, even at this point. You know, I mean, you know, sort of a light bass sound is, is common in the early 60s. That's that's nothing to be surprised about. But there's no, uh, as far as I'm aware, there's no input from McCartney in terms of refining the lyric or maybe developing uh, the chord structure. There's no with late. There's, you know, it's just kind of there. It is, it's basically a solo Lennon song. And it, in this particular occasion i would say it suffers from that the song needs another idea or something to just pull it into focus a little bit that's that's the whole thing. maybe that's the way of saying it it's, it's a very unfocused song so um what i need you to say in 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 a few seconds time is as many as that apparently um it was nine takes as many as that yeah um i did think for a moment that not not a second time was referring to the uh, uh the number of takes should we have another go <laughs> No, not no, no. I think we've I think we've covered that one nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah there's um. I mean, it's, the reason why I think actually there is there is a decent song in there is because finally I've got to one of those where I've listened to some cover versions and and I've thought actually I can hear someone doing something a little bit different and and not in a slow down ethereal Lloyd's Bank advert kind of way either. There's um um this song appeared on. Um, a Palmer album and it may have been 1980 actually um, called Clues and there is a, a, a live version of him singing it that you can watch on, on YouTube that's pretty decent um, and uh, one of the reasons I sort of linked back to something I said earlier it actually starts with a little bit of, of instrumentation first and it establishes the song and, and as you're, you're listening to it you sort of think actually it's, it's not as jarring you know, it's it's a lot more sympathetic in terms of the way it's put together. And Robert Palmer, whatever you feel about his his later career and and you know the various songs that he went on to to perform with the models in the background, I mean, he could sing, and and he had the range to be able to make the vocal leaps in order to be able to make it seem um, almost natural. And and when I was listening to to that version of it i actually found it difficult to to believe i was listening to the the same song um it just had a lot more heart and feeling to it not just in terms of the singing but just in terms of the way it was it was being played its development it it, it was a warm version um that that had a little bit of of um intimacy in a way that actually the Beatles version is quite quite cold I guess well I think sour is the word I would use for the Beatles version it, it, yeah I mean it's a, it's kind of a typical Lennon sort of lyric in that sense you know it's a bit self-pitying I cry same old line you know so it's it and that's kind of the side that Lennon is is leaning into um and I think like you mentioned his voice his voice kind of naturally kind of leans in that direction anyway um, but that sourness doesn't really do it an awful lot of favors but um like you sent me that um robert palmer version which i'm grateful for and i i agree with you i think it's i think it's a 
not only is it a, a good version of the song, I think it probably is a bit better than the, the Beatles version. Mm-hmm. Um, apart yeah. from the slightly cheesy kind of like 1980s synthesizer on it, yeah. it, it sounds yeah. pretty good, but you're right. Like, yeah. like he can sing and he's found a way to kind of, he's reading against the lines rather than reading into them. So yeah, yeah that's like warmth and the sympathy in his voice helps to bring out something in the lyric, which Lennon's kind of very straight down the line delivery doesn't and this, that sourness kind of undercuts the 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 actual quality of the song. I agree with what you said before. I think there is a good song in there, and I I, I definitely think that's one of the cover versions that that helps prove it. Yeah, there was also um, I think the B side um, um, cover version that the the Pretenders did as well, which is which is perfectly fine. Yeah, um, and quite effective. Chrissy Hind, decent singer. Um, I don't think there's anything particularly stunning or original about it, but it does make it again feel like a, um, a different song to the um, the Beatles version, which is which is interesting because they're not copies, um, which an awful lot of the cover versions that we've we've sort of maybe have, have, have spoken about um, for for songs so far have effectively been just copies. Yeah, I think it's interesting, particularly comparing this one to the the, the last song, uh, "Devil in Our Heart," in terms of the way that it's recorded, because the actual recording of "Devil in Our Heart" is kind of crude, and particularly a lot of Ringo's cymbal work. I mean, it just sounds like static in the background. Um, it, it, it's it's not terribly effective. Again, sort of suggests that it you know not a lot of time spent on it, either recording or producing. This one is a bit better. It, 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 there's a little bit more sort of clarity to it. Uh, again, Ringo is, you know, he's doing something interesting on drums, so maybe a little bit more effort has been put into it there. But there's a sense that the instrumentation between the two songs is actually very similar. And I think that's, particularly with the second side of this album, I think that's kind of the story of it in a way. It, 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 there's, there's it, you know, they're sort of standing up and playing things in a very similar fashion and again i think that's kind of flattening out some of the differences between the material now there's two very obvious exceptions to that which is um, money and uh uh um, boys is an exception to that well no, i mean on this album oh sorry okay <laughs> yeah i was gonna i was gonna say that and, and you really got hold on me so on the second side of this album those are the two exceptions mm-hmm. but the other songs are kind of they're a bit much of a muchness, which in a way gives a degree of coherence. But the problem is, is it doesn't give anything really the opportunity to to stand out. And again, I think sort of not a second time suffers from that. There's not a lot of effort being put into the arrangement of it beyond kind of what Ringo's doing. And when you hear those other cover versions, like I agree, the Pretenders version, pretty good. Again, Chrissy Hines' voice is much more sympathetic than Lennon's, so it's bringing stuff out in the song which isn't necessarily there in the Beatles version. Um, and those different instrumentations, those different arrangements of the song allow the song's quality to shine through more than the kind of sort of, um, yeah, kind of very same old, same old kind of arrangement that, that the Beatles have given it. I wonder if there was um, oh, how much thought went into the, the sequencing, because on um, Please Please Me, um, you know, the last three songs are, are you know, a cover um, and then Lennon McCartney, and then another, you know, it's kind of big cover um, to finish as well. Um, so I, I just wonder if, if, you know, doing that on consecutive albums, um, you know, was, was any evidence of, of anything. And so then having a look at Hard Day's Night and actually the penultimate track there is uh, you can't do that, which 
in equal measure is both brilliant and awful, uh, <laughs> so, which obviously we'll get onto in about three years' time. Um, you know, I, I just wonder if if there was any great thought as to to how to sequence a record. I mean, it, it's great that they've they've gone to you know fourteen tracks. That's something that that perhaps we you know will see die out um, as we sort of head through the sixties for for a lot of other artists as well and, and into the seventies, when of course the you know the, the number of tracks declined but the length of the tracks increased, um, you know significantly. But it, it, it you can't help but feel as though as they get towards the end of the album they're sort of hiding, um, hey you've got to hide your songs away. Um, as it were, Excellent. with um, with um, Devil in a Heart and um, Not a Second Time coming in before it's like this, what is it, um, A Taste of Honey, um, There's a Place that come in on, on the first album just ahead of um, that song that's really famous that I can't remember. Twist and Shade. That's the one, thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah, it, it, it just seems coincidental that you've got two duffers before the, the big finale. Well, I'll talk. I'll talk a bit more about this when we do kind of like a recap of the whole album. But I think there is. I think there is some evidence that 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 uh, that the sequencing has been sort of pretty well thought through by George Martin at this point. Um, and you know, I mean, the not a second time is a perfectly perfectly cromulent song. It's 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 better than there's a place. I would say. Um, if not maybe by a massively wide margin. But yeah, um, there is definitely a sense, I think, that the, that the same structure is being followed there. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it doesn't make the, um, let's see, does it make the second? Uh, no, it doesn't make the, um, uh, oh no, it is, it's the very last track on the um, on the second um, Beatles album in America. Uh, so there's, there's no sense of, of building towards a climax there. That one's very much front loaded with, I want to hold your hand. And I saw her standing there, um, whereas on side two, you get such joys as don't bother me, little child, till there was you, hold me tight, I want to be your man, and not a second time. That <laughs> was not an album. In fact, the first side's really good, apart from this boy, um, you know, which, face it, no. Um, so that, that's that's some weird um, um, sequencing going on there, but... You know, the Beatles will worry about that sort of thing a little bit more. Again, it's the old cliche, isn't it? As the the album becomes more of a, a piece of art in itself, then more thought will go into how it's sequenced and how it's paced um, than certainly is, is happening here, where it's just like a, a fairly crude commercial um, a commercial beast. Do you, you you're normally you're normally Mr. Uh, Mr. Live gigs. Um, did this song ever get played live? Um, that's a good question. Didn't bother to look it up. Okay, excellent. Well, never mind. I mean, I, I can we, we can pause the recording for a second while I quickly go to uh, set list, if you like. Go, go, go. Right, okay. Um, talk amongst yourselves, folks. Okay, extensive instantaneous research suggests that quite possibly this was never played live. Okay, I can, I can, I can see why. Um... Yeah. Yeah, but then you know, in we didn't mention it for the um, um, the last podcast as well. Devil in a Heart certainly seems to have been played live three times, um, which doesn't sound great. But if you bear in mind, that's exactly the same as Get Back, although well, slightly different reasons. <laughs> that's a that's a very interesting song for comparison that you've chosen there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, anything else you want to say about this one? Nah. No. All right. Let's knock it on the head then. Uh, what do you want to give this one? Uh, I, I'm going to say it is basically the equivalent of uh, Devil in a Heart and very much in like, no, actually, no, I think Devil in a Heart's a little bit better. I'm, I'm going to say five. This is up there or down there with Till There Was You and I'll Get You and There's a Place and Thank You Girl. Well, I said this was slightly better than There's a Place and I gave There's a Place a five. So... I can either give it a five and a half or a six. Um, I'll give it a half point. I have to justify it. Bugger it. I'll give it a six. Six will do. Oh, no, that's not. No, 5.5. That'll do. Five and a half. You've been very loose with your language this afternoon. <laughs> I, I, I am. I am. I do apologize to our, our more sensitive listeners. Yeah. But, uh, that's just the way it is. Lovely. Okay, fantastic. Well, we can leave it there for now. Uh, you can contact us by email. We are Beatlesstuffology at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Beatles underscore ology. And you can find my blog at www.jgmacquarie.scot. Also, please check out my other podcast, Talking Trek to You, where a noob and an expert, me apparently, go through the original Star Trek episode by episode. Please like, rate, and review us on whatever podcatcher you're using uh, so that more people can find this show. Next episode, we are going to be finishing the album off with money, and we hope that you're going to join us for it. But until then, keep listening. <laughs>